Jesus saw the crowds and he felt sorry for them because they were harassed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is rich, but the laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to the harvest. Words taken from the gospel of today. Otito Dirigeso. We are used to these words. We hear them often, even though from other Gospels, on days of ordination. But the first reading today, the second reading, and the Gospel are linked by one point. Ufihi jikuriho gugonkembo. Nkebo nozioma. Yabihebo nechukwanyi debere. Mona batana nyoso enyemeka. O marono dainonea. O na nunque kwanyi. O no dainye natuya nonu. Mona bienye nanyeka. The point that links the three is that our God is a compassionate and loving God. He knows our situation at every moment of our lives. He hears our cry. He comes to our aid. And the first reading, God asked Moses to reassure the Israelites that he was still their God and they should not lose hope in him. They were only to keep the covenant and he would show them that he was their God. And in addition, he would make all of them, the entire people of Israel, a consecrated nation, a kingdom of priests, a sign of God's constant action among human beings. Israel. Of God's presence and action among human and among them, and they would become a consecrated nation. 
The same compassion of God which we hear of in the first reading that God took the Israelites, bore them on the eagle's wings as if it was easy. Delivered from bondage and suffering. Paul reminds us that God did even something greater. He was reminding us in the, later, in the later to the Romans in the second reading. That while we were still sinners, he saw our state of helplessness. He saw our state of imprisonment. Imprisonment caused by our own natural weaknesses and the fallen nature of the human being. Just in case anybody thinks that salvation was granted him or her because they were good persons. No. We were sinners, and he sent his son. So that others who would see from us as example that nobody is beyond God's redemption. And in the gospel, something very interesting happens. Jesus saw the crowds. Once you have a crowd, you have a problem. And of course, we know, especially in our country, Nigeria, or in a country like Nigeria, where the word organization, organization does not seem to exist in our languages. Crowd management is a problem. Jesus saw this crowd. One. The first thing he felt was pity. Compassion. Love. problems. Oppressed on the one hand by the Romans, on the other hand by the chief priests and the elders of the people, and more importantly oppressed by poverty because of human sinfulness. St. Mark in chapter 6 from verse 35 tells us, that when Jesus saw this crowd, he had pity on them and sat down and began to teach them. Jesus saw them, was moved by compassion, but it is important that he did not see them as a problem. 
very often we see our brothers and sisters as nuisances, problems. We are the one who has some substance, some, some means, money. Your business is going or you are well employed and your brothers and sisters may not have the resources. Maybe because they are lazy, maybe because they are careless, or maybe also because they are sick. But each time you see them as problems. Okay, to Arikana the situation, invert the position. Obrogon on a position. Obrogon on a position. Harna. Oja kago imi norono nodo igeri kotegiri kamenyeri genye. Kobo ki norono nodo ndigeri kotegija bebeari og minye hekeherie. Asagohara. Very often we see people as problems. Jesus saw the crowd as people who could be helped and should be helped. There is something that, there was something that happened in one of our meetings as bishops, uh, bishops of Nigeria, some two years ago. Somebody came to speak to Nigerian bishops, and he started his lecture by showing us a photograph of village boys and girls aged between 9 and 13 sitting round in a secular form barefooted on the earth surrounded by mud houses with smiles on their faces and he asked us bishops what do you see in this photograph the heart a, a picture of the heart an image of the heart somebody saw an image of the heart in the feet of those children sitting down another bishop saw Poverty. Children dressed, dressed in rags. Sitting on the bay floor. Barefooted. Another bishop saw the smiles. These children are happy or we are happy. Another one saw the unity. And the speaker told us, you have all shown that you are pastors of souls and social workers. This same photograph to a set of businessmen and asked them, what do you see? One of them said, 
that he counted the number of children there, there were about 20. And he saw the possibility of selling 20 pairs of shoes. Business. Another one said that they had no clothes. And he saw opportunity of being a distributor, of offering them clothes. Another one talked about building. All of them, these businessmen, saw opportunities for making money. Yes. It is our attitude really that determines what we see. The reality is there. But your perception of the reality depends on your position and your disposition. Position and disposition. Yes. Jesus tells us now, when you see people in their needs, don't see problems. See a harvest for God. See opportunities. See challenges for you to be a good Christian and a good neighbor. First, he asked the apostles to pray. The harvest is plenty. He had a rod. And the choro, keigoshihe, obioman keichuku nefunanyan keichuku damashi. So many people are crying for an experience of the love and compassion of God. So many people are in need of being led nearer, closer to God. And Jesus asked them to pray. Pray that God will find those who will go. I have said it before. I will repeat it today. And I will keep repeating it. Never, ever, pray to God for the solution of a problem if you are not prepared to do something to solve that problem. Prayer for Nigeria in distress. Before you open your mouth to say that prayer, Make sure that you are ready to do something to reduce the distress of the country. The apostles prayed and they were asked, expecting God to find somebody to send. In Mark chapter 6, the apostles came to him. They felt compassion for the people. And they came to Jesus and said, this is a lonely place. Compassion, yes. Send the people out to buy food. That is not God's compassion. That is a compassion that wants to send away problems for other people to solve. God's compassion leads to action. His compassion challenges us to act. All of us are busy 
seeing that the roads of Onsoka are dirty, that the gutters are dirty, that the roads are overcrowded, that the market is overcrowded, that the roads are unsafe. Uh-huh, you have seen it. Uh-huh. God allowed you to see it so that you do something. Because some people pass and they don't notice those things. It is already God's grace that you are sensitive enough to notice those things. One day in 1979, as a seminarian in Bigard Memorial Seminary, the philosophy campus in Ikorek, I was traveling to Calabar with one of my lecturers then, an Irish priest, Reverend Father Miles Rayadon, God rest his soul. We came along the road and suddenly saw a log of wood at the middle of the road. This Irish priest, he managed to dodge the log of wood but immediately we passed, he stopped and told me, Godfrey, go and remove that. I said, okay, man, I told you to here. Go and remove that. I came down, he waited, I carefully watching the movement of other cars and removed the log of wood. He said nothing again to me. But I learned my lesson that until you notice that something is wrong, you are part of those causing the problem. If you don't notice even that this is wrong, then you must be part of those causing the problem. But then the next step, once you notice it, do something. I know this is an example. It may be too risky for you to try to remove all the obstacles you see on the road in Nigeria today. Fifty meters in front, fifty meters behind, or that is how insensitive we have become in this country. And we don't care. If you were to stop to remove all those things, but he have an example. Any situation that needs God's intervention requires your collaboration. God needs you to do something about it. They prayed, and after praying, he called them to himself, instructed them, gave them powers, and sent them out. First, he called them to himself. Some versions of the, some gospels will say, to be with him first, before he sent them. Apostles 
if you translate it from the Greek, it just, it just doesn't mean a person who is sent or a messenger. It means also an envoy, a representative, an ambassador. Jesus selected from all those who were following him these 12 ordinary men but also a strange combination. Kede their qualities. We don't, we don't quite know. Most or many of them we are fishermen. Keke operators or farmers. Some of them we are Jewish fanatics. At least later we know that Paul was also called. Paul was a fanatical Pharisee. And Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot was one of those defenders of the Jewish faith that was ready. People like him were ready to kill anybody who was supporting the Roman government in Palestine. And among the apostles, you had Matthew, the tax collector, who was supporting the Roman government by collecting taxes for the government and also collecting bribes. Gunajikoru Matthew, ne Simon the Zealot, nothing. They were opponents. Think of the sons of Zebedee who often presumed on their special relationship with Jesus to take advantage of others. Judas Iscariot Bible tells us he was only concerned about himself. And Jude Thaddeus, Bible tells us that he was always asking God, Jesus, will you only reveal yourself to us and not to the world? They were opposed. Philip was a nervous person. The type, anytime he saw a crowd, will see only a problem. When Jesus said, Philip, we have to give these people food. Philip said, ah, Oga, how can we? That was Philip. Andrew was always ready to take one step. Andrew said, but we have a boy here with some loops. These two people, we are different. Now, such a combination of strange characters we are chosen as the first representatives, ambassadors, sacraments of God's presence and compassion among the people. Bring God's compassion to the people, Jesus told them. Help solve their problems. 
Catechism bo Jorogana onende bonde apostle Anyaza Ande apostle bonde fada Mobo priest sizi Fada madirine boa Jesu rolo Bofa apostle Tupufa angurusia Fancha merigene Bubado bishops Well I don't know whether Judas was a bishop Because bishops are leaders of a group of believers. And Judas died before he had the opportunity to lead a group. But they were the first. And today, the church tells us that bishops are the successors of the apostles. Yes. As leaders of groups of the believers, the apostles are successors of the apostles. But in a way, nobody can be a successor of the apostles who we are eyewitnesses. Because when Peter was telling them, let us choose somebody to re replace Judas in Acts of the Apostles, he told them, Somebody who had been with us from the beginning, from the baptism of John till the ascension. They were eyewitnesses. And in that, none of us can claim to be eyewitnesses or successors. But as people to whom the assignment of leading a group of believers had been given through the mandate of the apostles... Yes, we are successors of the apostles. If Jesus chose ordinary men and sometimes contradictory characters to be his first apostles, even today, nobody is made a bishop or a successor of apostles because he is special. It is free choice of God. It is not obtained by campaigns. It is not obtained by bribery. It is not the most intelligent or the holiest. No. That is one point about apostles. Secondly, in a general sense, every baptized Christian is also called by Christ, consecrated by him, and sent as an ambassador to the world. You remember on Trinity Sunday, I reminded all of you that created in the image of God, we are supposed to bring that image, express that image of God who is love in the Father, gift in the Son, and communion or fellowship in the spirit, we are supposed to bring that to the world. Last Sunday, we celebrated Corpus Christi. And I again reminded all of us that as Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave to his disciples to feed them and give them life, so also, he has taken every one of us 
blessed us and has broken us and given us to the world, to the society, to be food for our brothers and sisters. Every one of us has been chosen, called, chosen by God and sent out to help. God needs our hands. The harvest is plenty. We are seeing a lot of problems. Corruption is one. Young people, our people, going back to traditional religion, is another. Violence, disunity. These things are things we are noticing. But Jesus, having asked us to pray, is now sending you. You may not be able to change the whole world, but you can do something to reduce the misery, the suffering in the immediate environment where you live, to make those closest to you feel the compassion of God in your family, as a father and a husband, as a mother and wife, as a child, as a friend in your community, in your place of engagement. Promise God that from today, or at least today, you will make an effort to be a sacrament that is a sign of the presence of God's love and compassion among his people. Anytime you do anything that increases the sorrow and suffering of God's children, you have betrayed your mission and you have betrayed your calling. And don't be distracted. Remain focused. This first time Jesus sent them to the fallen house of Israel, you have to begin somewhere. It is important to listen to instructions. And by the way, that also makes me advise Father Paulinus. You are being sent as an ambassador of this diocese to a place whereby your devotion to scholarship, you will bring Christ's light to your community. Don't mind so many other problems you can solve while you are there. Don't go to the Samaritan houses. Focus on the house, fallen house of Israel. Focus on your studies. Focus on your assignments. You know why I'm telling you this? Some of your brothers went there for studies. A program that should take five years or maximum six. They have spent 12 and they are not yet back. 
they have left the assignment given to them. They have gone into Samaritan houses. And instead of preaching the gospel, the Samaritans have captured them. So remain focused. Don't do what you were not sent to do. Otherwise, remember what I said? That you obey God and be where he sent you does not mean you will not have problems. Like the apostles obeyed Jesus, took the boat, and in the middle, they met a storm. Met a storm. It only means that God knows you are there and he will come. Because nobody sent you there. If you deviate from your assignment, don't be surprised that your cries for help are not heard. My dear brothers and sisters, my final point is a difficult one. You received freely. Give freely. God's graces, God's gifts, and the miracles of Jesus are free. One's religion, especially Christianity, once Christianity becomes a financial burden, there is a problem. Yes, the ministers have to be maintained, but only from the free will gifts of the people. Once the ministers of the gospel are personally enriched by their ministry, they have left their mission and have become businessmen and women. Miracles have no price. God's grace has no price. We receive freely. We should give freely. We know that we need money to serve God. But when people are charging you hundreds of thousands or millions even in order to come and pray for you, or when you think that by giving those millions, you will compulsorily obtain God's grace, both you and the so-called minister have become traders, merchants. Our God is love and compassionate. And he wants every one of us to be a sign, a sacrament of his presence among suffering people. May he empower you today to let somebody or some people who will encounter you experience God's love and compassion because you have been chosen and sent to help those who are in need.